This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, last night, I explored the general topic of drama on the radio, and I'd like to expand that subject just a little bit tonight before we hear an episode of The Shadow. And, of course, one of the main differences between a stage actor and a radio actor is that in radio, the actor relies on voice to convey character, whereas on stage, an actor uses his body, space, and movement. In the use of voice, the advantage for the radio drama actor is that there's no need to project. The listener's only a short distance away from the actor via the microphone and radio speaker. On stage, uh, an actor cannot always use just a natural voice. A whispered conversation must still be audible to the audience. However, on radio, the actor can make more natural use of his voice. But a radio actor must have the same clear picture of their role as the stage actor. Even if the radio actor is not in costume for the performance, the actor should have a clear image of what he or she should be wearing or would be wearing, how they'd move and stand, what sort of gestures and facial expression would he or she use to portray the character. Actors in radio drama need to have contrasting voices so that an audience can tell one character from another. Actors need to think about how the character's voice will sound and what the listener will learn about the character and the action of the play. Now, I haven't performed in radio drama per se, but have been the voice of many cartoon characters on series such as Care Bear, Arthur, and The Woodsman. And I can tell you it's great fun to have five or six actors gathered in the same recording studio with everyone giving his or her all to express the lines with all the intensity required and to watch the performers throw their whole bodies into it and make wild faces as they try to paint the character for the audience. So, with that in mind, let's listen to another episode of The Shadow. Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, 
is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Dream of Death. From a lonely house high on a gale-swept cliff, a curtain flaps at an open window. A path leads from the lonely house down, down past sharp crags and mossy rock, down to the wave-lashed beach below. Come along, my darling. We're almost to the beach. Fred, I'm frightened. There. Feel the wet sand beneath our feet. Yes? Listen. Listen to those waves, Lyra, crashing against the shore. Kurt, no. Look at them, black and hungry. They know. The waves know why we're coming to them. I'm afraid. Hold tightly to my hand. Soon, my darling, we'll be together once again for all eternity. Slowly, slowly now, down into the water. Don't look back. No, Lyra, no. See, the water swirling above our knees. What? Above our waist. Above our shoulders. Higher. Still higher. Where we die and live forever. Wake up, Lyra, for heaven's sake, wake up. Celeste? Yes, darling, your sister. It's all right, Lyra, you're all right. You were just having a bad dream. Dream? Oh. Oh, I was on the beach. In the water. With my husband. With Kurt? With Kurt? Oh, no, Lyra, no. Don't you remember? He's dead. Kurt was drowned last night. Margaret and I came right down as soon as we got your message, Celeste. Oh, I'm awfully glad you're here, Mr. Cranston. So are we, Celeste. Best if there's anything we can do to help. Yes, after all, Kurt Sander was a friend of mine, even though I didn't see him for some time. Oh, I'm sure you can help both of you. We'll see Lyra in just a moment. She was still sleeping when I went in. The doctor prescribed all the rest she could get. Of course. This is a beautiful view from this window. Beach down there below the cliffs and the sea beyond. Yes. Kurt loved solitude. There's a wind rising. Must be a storm coming up. It was just this kind of a day that... Lyra and Kurt went sailing. You mean when Kurt was lost? Yes. Still haven't told us what did happen, Celeste. Perhaps before we see Lyra, we should know. Oh, yes, of course. Well, they... They were out sailing. A violent squall came up and the boat capsized. How all? Apparently, Kurt struck his head against the boat when it turned over on him. I see. Anna, our housekeeper, and I were shopping at the time. 
When we got back, we we found Lyra down on the beach, nearly dead from shock and exhaustion. How is she now? Well, physically, the doctor says she'll be all right, but... Oh, Mr. Cranston, it's her mind. She... Well, she insists that she's going to die. Die? She thinks that Kurt's spirit has returned to take her back with him into the sea. How terrible. She says they had some kind of a weird pact with death. Oh, do you think you'll be able to reason with her, Mr. Cranston? Try, Celeste. I'll do everything I can. I'll see if she's awake. Now, I'll be right back. Lamont, Darling, what are you looking at? These books on spiritualism. They're almost forgotten. Forgotten what? Kurt Sander was a student and a firm believer in life after death. All right, Mr. Cranston. All right. Come on, Margo. She just woke up. Nice. Lyra. Lyra, this is Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston? Yes, Mrs. Sander. I was a friend of Kurt's, and uh, this is Margot Lane. Hello, Lyra. You've come to take me away, haven't you? You must... You must take me away from this house. No, they can't, Lyra. You know you can't leave yet. Not until you're better. But I can't stay here. He'll come back for me. No, he won't, Mrs. Sandler. Yes, he will. He he said, if I should die before you, my darling, I'll return from wherever I may be and take you with me. Mrs. Sandler, that isn't possible. But it is. He'll come back. I mustn't stay here. He'll come back for me. He'll come back. Come on, listen. Is that you? Yeah, Quiet. Get back, Margot. I'm going to throw open those French windows. Grab whoever. Oh. It's a woman. Oh. It's Anna, our housekeeper, Mr. Cranston. Anna, what on earth were you doing? I just wanted you to let me in the door. Why didn't you come in through the back? I, I just came up from the beach. I was gathering clams for dinner. All right, Anna. Come inside so I can shut these doors again. You best shut them tight. Why? I've been down on the beach, and I've seen Seen what, Anna? Well, Anna, what did you see down on the beach? I saw another storm coming up. Another storm like the one the night Mr. Sander died. scream, Mrs. Sander. Well, I was asleep, and something woke me up. I felt cold fingers around my throat. It was Kurt. He's come for me. Look, Lamont, the French doors. Wind must have blown them open. That's probably what woke her up. I'll have a look outside. It was Kurt. No, Mrs. Sander. Oh, what happened, Margot? I was asleep. I heard a scream. She thought someone was in the room, her husband. Oh, no, darling. It just couldn't be. Right, Mrs. Sander. There's no sign of anyone. You merely had another bad dream. That's what you say. Anna. I've been outside the room, listening. It was him, wasn't it? He's lonely. He's come back. Anna, what are you trying to do? Go back to your room, Anna. All right. But I know. I know. 
Now, Mrs. Sander, try to understand it. It was all in your mind. Do you understand? Yes. All in my mind. Now, try to go back to sleep. Celeste. Yes. I think it'd be a good idea if you slept in here for the rest of the night. Oh, yes, of course, I will. Come on, Margot. What is it, Lamont? There is something wrong, I can tell. Let's get your coat. I'm going to do a little investigating. But... I lied in order not to frighten Mrs. Sander. I found this just outside the French doors. Seaweed? Yes, seaweed. That someone or something brought up from the ocean below. Oh. Who's there? The dog. Someone. It's me, Mrs. Sander. Hannah. Hannah. Shh. Don't wait, Miss Celeste. No, I won't. Come with me. It's about him. About him? Hurry. All right, Anna. That's right. Now through this door. Across the hall. And into this room. But this was Kurt's room. Yes. And look, here on the desk. Picture of... Me? My necklace? He was to get these things. Things that belong to you. And maybe he'd go back to the sea and leave you alone. That's insane. I'll no. take them to him. You know where he is? In the cave at the bottom of the cliff. How do you know? Have you seen him? Have you? No. There's a black pool in the cave. And I've seen strange footprints around. No! Things live. Terrible things that come up from the sea. Hannah, don't. Don't go near there, please. I'll be all right. Nothing will harm me. No, Anna. He doesn't want me, Miss Lyra. He wants you. Anything here on the beach, Margaret, that might give us a clue as to who or what left the seaweed outside Lyra's room? You think someone has taken advantage of Kurt's death to deliberately frighten Lyra out of her mind? It seems to be the logical explanation right now. That old housekeeper Anne has certainly been acting strange enough. Yes. I haven't been able to make up my mind yet whether Anne is a slightly demented old servant or a very shrewd woman. Mm. And another thought has crossed my mind. What's that? Kurt was a very odd person, as I remember in Margot. Moody, introspective, and, as we know, a firm believer in spiritualism. Well, you... You are suggesting that there might be some basis for this wild idea Lear has about Kurt returning from the dead? Well, nobody's ever discovered just how far spiritualism can go, Margot. That's a fantastic idea, Lamar. Fantastic and terrible. But an idea we may have to consider... We're going to learn the truth about Lyra's dream of death. So dark in this cave. There's the pool. 
open pool. Don't be scared, Anna. Dead things can't harm honest folk. Put the lantern down over here. Kneel down by the pool. Now, give him the things. Give him the things and tell him to go away. Leave us alone. Kicked over the lantern. Who's there? Who's there? Coming closer. Someone covered. Kurt, you. No, no, you're dead. Boy, no, don't. Oh, you're pushing my head under the wall. Oh, oh, oh. has returned from the dead to claim his bride, Margot and Lamont are plunged into a series of weird events. Now we find them walking down a dark beach, while above them tower the black cliffs that rise forebodingly. Suddenly, Margot stops and touches Lamont's arm. Lamont, look up ahead. Good Lord, Lamont. Lamont body here in the water by the edge of the shore. Yes. It's Hannah, the housekeeper. Is she dead? Yes, drowned apparently, and the body washed ashore. This is strange, Margot. What? There are three marks around her neck. Some deliberately held her head under the water. No. Mark, what are you doing? I'm to pry something loose. She's clutched in her hand. Well, it's a torn piece of cloth and there's a gold button on it. It's the kind of button that's usually found on men's yachting jackets. And Kurt was in sailing clothes when he died. Yes, Martin, he was. Hey, look here. It's a faint trail in the sand. Looks as though Anne's body was dragged down here. Trail leads up to a kind of opening in the cliff. Come on. Lord, I just don't understand. And neither do I, but there must be a logical explanation behind all this. I have a feeling we're getting close to the answer. Oh, I certainly hope so. Here we are. It's kind of a tunnel into the base of the cliff. You're not going in. Yes. Stay behind me. I'll use my flashlight. Why, it's a big cave. Yes. Do you see anything? Black pool of water in the center of the cave. You sure that's all? Yes. Oh, thank heavens. Let's get out of here. It gives me the creeps. Quiet, Mark. What? Look out through the mouth of the cave. Out there on the beach. Someone kneeling down by Anna's body. What? It's Celeste. Yes. What would Lyra's sister be doing out there on the beach at this time? She's coming towards us. She's following the same trail up here we followed. Stand back, Margot. I'll switch off the flash. Are you in there? Lamont. What's that? Kurt, was that you? No, sir. Lamont, she's running away up the path to the house. Yes. 
Lamont, do you realize what this means? I'm beginning to, Margot. Kurt is alive, not dead. He must be the one who's trying to drive Lyra mad. Anna must have found the truth, and that's why he killed her. Perhaps and perhaps not, Margot. Now I think I can find out. How? I think Celeste will tell me a great deal when she talks to the shadow. The gun. The gun, it must be. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Who's there? Who laughed? Shadow laughed, Celeste. The shadow? But it... The gun. Somebody took the gun from my hand. But who? Where? No one sees the shadow. Shadow, what do you want? What were you going to do with this gun, Celeste? Why? Are you going to kill your sister, Lyra? No, why should I do that? Because you haven't been able to make her kill herself the way you and Kurt planned. That's not true. Kurt's not dead. You've been working together. That's true, isn't it, Celeste? No. Kurt was in love with you, wasn't he? But Lyra stood in your way. Oh, yes, he was in love with me. He begged me to marry him. And Kurt is alive. Yes, yes, that's why I came for the gun. He's out of his mind. He killed Anna, and he'll kill my sister, too. What were you doing down on that beach, Anna's body? I was looking for Lyra. She's gone. Oh, he'll kill her, don't you understand? Oh, Shadow, you've got to find him before it's too late. Shadow will find the truth, Celeste. If you've lied, I'll be back. You'll answer to the Shadow. Lyra? Lyra, are you in there? Try the door, Lamont. Empty. Yes, Celeste told the shadow the truth. Kurt must have taken her off somewhere. The French doors are standing wide open again. Yes, look at this, Mark, over here. Some muddy footprints on the carpet. What'll we do? I don't... Wait a minute. Hmm? Margaret, this isn't mud on these footprints. It's slime. Green slime. The kind that goes on rocks. You think Kurt has taken her to the cave? I don't know, Margot. All I know is we'd better get back there as fast as we can. Flashlight, darling, would make a good a target. Yes, if Kurt's as mad as he appears to be, he'd probably shoot first and his questions later. Uh, easy now, darling. Come on. Over there. Good Lord. It's Kurt in there. Lyra! I'm coming, Lyra. Try to hold on. Lyra! It's all right, Lyra. I've got you. over here. Yes. A shallow grave. Good heavens. 
heavens, you mean he was going to kill her and bury her in there? No, Margot, I mean that Kurt Sander came out of this grave. Lyra shot to kill him. He's been dead for at least two days. Mark, why on earth are we leaving the cave with Lyra still in there with that body? No time to explain, Margot. I want you to get up the house right away and be careful. Is that all? Yes. But Lamar... By the time you get there, Margot, the shadow will have trapped the real killer. She's a violently jealous woman, Margot. Kurt arranged a rendezvous with her near the cave, asked her for a divorce. Told her he wanted to be free to marry her younger sister, Celeste. And she flew into a jealous rage, killed him, left his body in the cave. Then her story of the drowning, her dream of death, all those weird happenings, even Anna's murder, were done to frighten people away from here so that no one would learn the truth. Yes. After she killed Anna, after we started investigating, she became panicky. So she decided to dispose of Kurt's body. Exactly. In the dim light, we thought Kurt and Lyra were struggling together. When she heard me call to her, she fired a shot in a crazy last-ditch effort to make us think that Kurt had been alive up to that point. He was responsible for everything. Oh, how horrible. And stupid. Yes? Well, it's all over now, thank goodness. Yes, all over. 
except that soon Lyra will be going to her death. This time, it won't be a dream. Copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that... The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Ed Gardner, the writer-actor who co-created this series, Duffy's Tavern, to appear as Archie, the bartender. Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet the Archie DeMange's pick, and Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Business? Uh, well, it's uh, pretty good since I've been selling Bach beer for nickel a glass. Huh? No, we don't lose no money. Well, I got a trick, you see. I take the regular beer, but before we serve it, I dip a goat in the barrel. <laughs> huh? What, Duffy? Well, what? Talk louder, will you? Some kids is playing ball outside and I can't hear you. Hey, Fats, what was that? Them kids just hit a baseball through the window. Any damage? Just... <laughs> just another hole in the window. Well, chase them kids off the block. I don't mind them hitting a ball through the window, but they might have hit that spider we was using for shades. <laughs> huh? Yeah, Duffy, them kids is getting tougher every day. You know, only this morning, I caught one of that gang helping an old lady across the street. What's so tough about it? She didn't want to go. <laughs> I'll call you back later, Duffy. Fats, did you get rid of them kids? Yeah, I tricked them. You tricked them? How? I asked them why they wasn't down at the schoolhouse watching the fire. <laughs> so what? The idea seemed to appeal to them. They just asked me for bellows and beat it. Well, if you ask me, the whole gang of them ought to have their teeth kicked in. And if they was a little smaller, I'd do it myself. <laughs> Mr. Archie, why do you hate kids so? Why? Because they got no respect for their elders. You give them an inch, and what do they do? They, they turn their backs and flaunt it in your face. <laughs> 
Things was different when you was a kid, huh? They certainly was different. You didn't see me waste me time playing baseball in the streets. How did you waste it? <laughs> I wasted it gaining knowledge. Knowledge that made me the man that I am today. You should have played baseball. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Look at that kid coming in. The age of him, coming into a joint like this. He can't be more than ten years old. Okay, Junior, what do you want? Good evening, sir. Kid scram, will you? Well, p please, sir, all I want is... Yeah, I know what you want, but if you think you're going to get a shot of rye in this place... <laughs> come back in nine years. <laughs> yeah, by that time, the rye will be nine years old. <laughs> That's tell them, Fats. Hey, wait a minute. You ain't the kid that just busted the window, are you? Sir, you misunderstand. I merely came in to ask you if you'd be interested in a book I'm selling. A book you're selling? What book? The Pocket Encyclopedia of Useful Knowledge. <laughs> useful Knowledge. Look, kid, it happens I was educated at Harvard. I don't have to have no knowledge. I got all that I need. Oh, but, sir, this book has answers to hundreds of questions that I'll wager you don't know. Oh, yeah? Like this. Well, for instance... <laughs> how long does it take light to travel from the sun to the earth? The light to travel from the sun to the earth? Uh, well, that depends. How far away from the earth is the sun these days? <laughs> Ninety-three million miles. My... Kid, don't be fantastic, will you? Oh, but, sir, it is. It's 93 million miles away, and it only takes a light from the sun eight seconds to reach the earth. Isn't that remarkable? What's remarkable? <laughs> it's downhill all the way, ain't it? What else is in that book? Well, um, here's another question. What are the equinoxes? The equinoxes? Come on, kid, give me a hard one. <laughs> well, what are the equinoxes? They're them Indians that live up at the North Pole. <laughs> Do I happen to be correct? Mister, I think you better buy the book. Kid, come here and feel this muscle. Now, don't infer me that I'm stupid or I'll bet you right in a kissing. Now, hit me with another question and I'll prove it to you. Very well. How high is Mount Everest? Mount Everest. Mm. All the way to the top? <laughs> Sixty thousand feet. Sorry, the book says it's thirty thousand feet. I am referring to the round trip. <laughs> you think I'm gonna get stuck on the top of Mount Everest? <laughs> Don't tell me about Mount Everest, kidding. A friend of mine happened to build it. <laughs> My dear sir, Mount Everest has existed ever since the Mesozoic age. Oh, yeah, huh? 
Look, punk, I don't take no language like that from nobody. What you need is a good kick in the pants, and here it is. Ouch! Correct. Now get out of here and take that lousy book with you. You see, Fats, there's your younger generation. A kid like that going around calling people messy zoics. Uh, hello. Huh? Oh, hello, Mess. I have Finnegan. How are you? Arch, your mood seems to be one of perturbation. I just kicked the punk out of here for using the same language. Now, look, Finnegan, you, you got to be tough these days, you know? Spare the rod and spoil the child. Right, in a neighborhood like this, a kid's got to carry a rod. <laughs> You ain't understanding me. What I'm talking about is this present generation. I, I just don't understand them, Finnegan. And you know, when when you and me was kids and we played baseball together, did you ever see me knock a baseball throw a window? Oh, never, Roach. You're darn right. No, you was the one that always struck out. <laughs> Kids is back again. This time I'm chasing them away myself. Uh, you mind if I go along, Arch? Well, no, but uh, keep your hat on. We don't want to scare them away forever. You know. We might need them for future customers. <laughs> hey, listen, you punk kids. Either you sign to quit playing baseball on this block, or I'm going to take every mother's one of yous and stunt this groat with a bunk uh, hey, starter. Hey, Arch, look at here. Where? Here in the doorway. Uh, a basket. And look what's in it. Holy cat. A baby. On a doorstep. A human baby. <laughs> hey, Finnegan, I wonder who could have left him. Look at it, Arch. Boy, what a cute kid. Hey, maybe we better take it inside. It's sort of damp. Damp? The weather. Oh. Yeah, I guess you're right. Here, give me a hand, Finnegan. Yeah, okay. Now, now, be careful with the kid going yeah, through that yeah, door now. Yeah. Oh, a deserted baby. Yeah. I wonder where it's going to come from. Where? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, according to my information, there's the budge and the bee. Finnegan! <laughs> this is no time for rationalization. <clears throat> now... Leave us set the basket down here on a bar. Okay. Holy cat, this is all that has to happen to me. Somebody leaves me with a kid. Hey, Miss Duffy. What? Uh, take this brat, will you? I'm, I'm silly carrying a baby. Well, how do you think I'd look? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Try talking to him. Okay. Uh, I'll talk to him. Kid, do uh, what do you think of conditions in general? <laughs> A Republican. I wonder who he belongs to. I wonder. Oh. Well, let me take a look at it. Uh, let's see. Ten fingers, ten toes, a nose, two ears. Ain't nobody in my family. He's kind of a cute baby, ain't he? What's so cute about him? They all look alike. 
Maybe he's thirsty. Yeah, maybe you're right. The kid probably needs a drink. Uh... <laughs> Finnegan, put down that scotch. Uh, fats, draw a jigger of milk. <laughs> One milk coming up. Uh, all right, maybe he's hungry. You want me to get him a bowl of chili? <laughs> Look, Finnegan, get him anything. Just shut him up. Let's give him a rattle. A rattle? Well, where are we going to get a rattle? Well, here you are. You can have mine. <laughs> I better go out and get a blanket. Yeah, and I'll get the chili. Hey, well, wait a minute. Don't everybody run out on me. Oh, what am I going to do with this brat? <laughs> Me, of all people, left with a kid. <laughs> kid, will you stop trying to be cute? <laughs> all right, then. They're going to get your milk in a second. Here it is. <laughs> so, that make you feel better, huh? <laughs> hey. Hey, you, you got a dimple, ain't you? <laughs> Come here, kid. Kitchy, kitchy, kitchy. Hey, leave go of my finger. Hey, what a grip you got. A kid with your strength, you'd think I was really a father. <laughs> Look, kid, don't tell nobody I told you, but I think you're kind of cute. Dad, <laughs> Well, what do you know? He called me Daddy. Fats, please, some soft music to help me baby get a little shut-eye. Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Down will come, baby, cradling on. Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. Wind blowing strong, my, my, look at it rock. Don't touch that cradle, might make it fall. No, here comes cradle, baby, you know. This little piggy went to market. This little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had, uh... This little piggy had, uh... Little Bo Peep, she lost her sheep. How are you? Huh? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. As I said, uh, go to sleep, you punk kid. <laughs> uh, yes, Miss Duffy? Uh, I don't think this bottle really has milk in it. You don't think it has milk in it, huh? Why? It's marked 90 proof. <laughs> no milk. Well, well the baby's got a... a He's got to go back where he come from. Can't stand the sight of kids, huh? 
You know very well I hate them. Okay, okay. Uh, by the way. Yeah? That third little piggy had roast beef. <laughs> oh, yeah? Look, you mind your own business. Uh, hey, Ike, uh, can I haul them? Well, go ahead, but uh, don't drop them. Oh, no, oh, well, here, baby. Here, nice. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> Gee, uh, you know something? What? He looks just like you. Finnegan, you're holding him upside down. <laughs> I think you better call the police and tell them about finding this baby. Call the police? Uh, yeah, well, uh, are they open today? <laughs> they open every day. Yeah, I guess these days they're busy answering indictments, Sam. <laughs> okay, I'll call them, uh... Hello, police department. Lost and foundling division, please. <laughs> huh? Me trouble? Well, I suddenly seem to find myself with child. <laughs> uh, what you might call an off-the-cuff baby. <laughs> yeah, so, uh... So, if, if you'd like to, to, to send a... a... <laughs> If, if, if you'd like to send it. <laughs> Look, cops, I got the wrong number. <laughs> That's. It ain't no use fighting fate. <laughs> you mean. Have a cigar. I have just became a father. <laughs> Well, there's one thing I can say. You sure do things the easy way. <laughs> yeah, gang, just imagine. After all these years, I have an offspring of my own. An offspring? What are you talking about? You found him on the doorstep. All right. So he's prefabricated. <laughs> so what? I'll adopt him so he can have my name to carry through life. Your name. What more could I do for him? You could put him back on the doorstep. <laughs> no, sir, he stays here. Fate has fickled its finger at me. <laughs> you mean you're going to raise this kid? Yep, that's and it'll be wonderful. Just think of it, the joy of watching him as he takes his first steps, you know, and the thrill of sending him off to kindergarten. The pride of... Watching him make his first pass at a dame. <laughs> Handing him down some of me knowledge, you know, practical things like how to pluck a chicken. <clears throat> how to chalk a pool cue. <clears throat> I'll take him to the museum, the art gallery, the burlesque. The burlesque? I gotta have some fun, too. <laughs> Yeah, I can see it like it was tomorrow. Graduation day. The choir is singing as the organ plays softly. And all eyes is on me little boy as the dean shakes his hand and he says, Congratulations, Archie Jr. 
Here is your sheepskin union card. <laughs> union card? Certainly union card. After spending four years in college, I want the kid to make a decent living. <laughs> just think, Fats. That young man that just graduated is the same little baby that I found on the doorstep today. Time sure flies, don't it? Yes, sir. Tell me, Daddy, do you miss him now that he's gone out into the world? A little. But who knows? Maybe someday there'll be another little one. You mean you're going to get married? Not necessarily. <laughs> That's... There's other doorsteps. Boy, that kid sure squawks a lot. So what? Maybe he does squawk, but he's my son and I wouldn't change him for anything. Maybe if you change him, he'd stop crying. I see what you mean. Mm. Let's see now. What, uh, what can I use for a diaper? Uh, Arch, how about the bar towel? Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Uh, uh, you got a safety pin, Finnegan? Yeah. Let me have it. Well, I'll tell you, I... Let me have the pen. But Arch... Finnegan, give me the pen. Arch, it's his pants or mine. <laughs> okay, sit down and give me the pen. Thanks. Now, uh, first we take the pen and I guess we better desanitize it. <laughs> With babies, you got to sterile up everything. Got to... Kill the germs. Uh, Fats, take this safety pin and uh, dip it in the bar right. Kill germs? With our bar right? Eight to five, but don't even stun them. Archie, why aren't you letting me handle this? Look, Miss Duffy, I happen to be the father of this child, thank you. But that don't mean that you know how to put a diaper on him. What's the thought? It's just like setting a table. Now, here, here we are. Now, uh... First, we lay out the diaper. That's the tablecloth. Then, where you serve the entree, we place the baby. Now, we take the corner where you put the knife and fold it over to the corner where you put the fork. Now, where you put the sauerkraut, you place the safety pin. What's wrong? I think the sauerkraut stuck him in the entree. <laughs> Okay, you put the diaper on But be careful now Don't forget It's my son My son Gee, that sounds good, don't it? It'll sound even better The day that he particulates from Harvard Archie, did you say Harvard? Yeah Make it vaster <laughs> Duffy, you mean to say that my son is a girl? That's right. But it can't be. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's wearing a pink ribbon. Hey, uh, Arch, is it really a girl? Yeah. Well, how do you like that? I'm an aunt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, congratulations, George. Thank you. Good evening, Archie, me boy. Oh, hello, Officer Clancy. Say, now what's this lying on the bar? Oh, it's a baby. What did you think it was? Well, I thought for a minute that Herbie the Midget had passed out again. <laughs> now, where did the baby come from? I found it on the doorstep. So you found it on the doorstep. Well, now, just a minute, Archie. That's Mrs. Rogers' baby. She gave it to Johnny McGarrity to look after, and he started playing baseball instead. Aye, sure, and she'd be glad to have her baby back. Oh, but, Clancy, she can't have it back. It's a, it's a lost foundling, and, and finders is keepers. Archie, the baby goes back to the Widow Rogers, and it's me sworn duty to notify her immediately. The Widow Rogers, indeed. That's... I'm going to fight this thing with the Supreme Court. No outsider is going to take my baby away from me. Outsider? Mr. Archer, she happens to be the baby's real mother. That's the trouble with this country. <laughs> Showing favoritism to people just because they're relatives. <laughs> audacity of that widow gonna come down here to take me baby after all I've gone through for that kid you mean raising her from a boy to a girl <laughs> well all I say is that Mrs. Rogers ain't gonna get away with it there are certain laws in this state oh dear a father's work is never done <laughs> we better stop that kid from hitting that milk. I think he's off on a crying jag. Hey, hey, look, why don't you sing her a lullaby, Arch? Good idea, Finny. Let's see. Uh, uh, rock a bye, baby, in the treetop. Uh... Hey, you see that? It's working. Yeah. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Hey, she likes it. Yeah, yeah. Let me try it, Arch. If the ball breaks, the cradle will fall. The dawn will come, baby. The cradle and all. Oh, that's one of them. Did you like that, baby? Vinny <laughs> and I, I don't think you better sing to the baby no more. Oh, my baby. This must be the baby's mother. Oh, my baby, my own little baby. Her baby. Oh, how can I ever thank you for finding my child? Now, look, sister, if you think... Hey. What's the matter? You're beautiful. Oh, thank you. I do hope the baby hasn't been a bother. Oh, contraire. <laughs> uh, by the by, uh, Officer Clancy tells me that you was the widow, uh... And I'm sorry to hear of your husband's untimely death. Uh, may I share your beaverment? <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, it was never a very happy marriage. No, huh? 
I... I'm afraid my husband only married me for my money. To be. <laughs> Is there any left? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you wanna, are you in a position to support this lovely child of ours uh, that I love so dearly? Uh, oh, you're fond of children. Desperately. In fact, all of the kids in the neighborhood refer to me as that old, lovable Uncle Archie. Really? You don't think so, Fats? One of the kids around the neighborhood call me. They call you that old... Yes, sir! <laughs> yep, Mrs. Rogers, and one I wouldn't give to have a little baby like yours. What are you trying to say? Madam... I can constrain me feelings no longer. <laughs> Leave us face it. Fate has thrown us together. You're a man and I'm a woman. You're... Uh, aren't you a little mixed up? In the heat of passion, who's grammatical? <laughs> All I can say that it's kismet. <laughs> oh, God. I'd better cover the baby. There seems to be a draft from that broken window. Oh, oh, yes, the broken window. It seems that some impish little rascals inadvertently heaved a impish little baseball through it. <laughs> I suppose I should have chapstized them, <clears throat> but uh, old softy that I am, I just couldn't do it. That's my great weakness, I... I love them children. There he is, officer. That's a man who kicked me in the pants. Well, well. We have a little visitor. Hello, Sonny. Archie, this boy claims that you kicked him out of the tavern just because he tried to sell you a book. What's this? Must be some mistake. Uh, now come here, me little friend. Uh, <clears throat> did I kick you in the pants? You see, he don't dare tell a lie like that to me face. <laughs> How can he? You're holding your hand over his mouth. <laughs> I still say the kid is a liar. Oh, yeah? Well, ask any kid on the block. You know what they call this monster? What? That old... Mrs. Rogers! <laughs> Are you going to let a crummy punk kid like this deceive you into thinking that I don't love children? Archie, I'm afraid you're under arrest. So that's the kind of a man you are. Give me my baby. I'm leaving. And so ends another chapter of Life with Father. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.